Impact 89 FM's own golf podcast. This is The Long Drive. Welcome into The Long Drive, broadcasting virtually for the summer as we are at home and away from the Impact 89 FM studios on the campus of Michigan State University. I'm your host, Grace Goodlerick, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jack Latterman, as well as Nick Fardella. We are coming to you Wednesday, June 14th, one day before the 123rd U.S. Open will commence uh, at a brand new course this year, the Los Angeles Country Club North. So before we get into all of that, how are we feeling this week? Another major week. Super excited, right? Yeah, another major. This is this is the greatest stretching golf, in my opinion. Uh, L.A. Country Club, it's going to be amazing. I love when it's in California. We're on Eastern time, obviously. Watching golf until 7, 8 p.m. is sensational. Uh, coming home after work and having the entire afternoon wave, I love it. Yeah, I'm super excited, too. Another major. I have off work tomorrow, so I'm going to wake up early and watch some golf tomorrow, too. So let's go start earlier. Yeah, absolutely. It's. I mean, yeah, you hit the nail right on the head, Jack. You're going to be able to watch golf until 9, 10 o'clock at night on Thursday and Friday when there's two waves going off both morning and afternoon. So before we get into all of that, including breaking down the Canadian Open this last week, we've got just a quick recap of what happened on the LPGA Tour this last week. It was uh, Ashley Buhai from South Africa winning at the uh, ShopRite LPGA Classic presented by Acer in Galloway, New Jersey. She won with a winning score of minus 14 over uh, Hujin Kim at minus 13. This week on the LPGA Tour, they are actually coming to uh, my home state of Michigan here. Uh, obviously, we're Michigan State students, so they're coming to Michigan at Blithfield Country Club just outside of Grand Rapids in Belmont, Michigan, uh, for the Meyer LPGA Classic for Simply Give. So looking forward to that event here this week. Just uh, moving to news surrounding the PGA Tour and golf world. Obviously, we had a pretty scary situation. The news broke last night. PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan recovering from a medical incident that he suffered over the weekend. Uh, the statement that was given by uh, the PJ Tours policy board indicates, quote, the board fully supports Jay and appreciates everyone respecting his privacy. During Jay's absence, Ron Price, chief operating officer, and Tyler Dennis, executive vice president and president of the PJ Tour, will lead the day-to-day -day operations of the PJ Tour with the assistance of the great team Jay has built, ensuring seamless continuity and they will provide updates as appropriate. So obviously there have been no specifics as to what happened uh, concerning the tour commissioner over the weekend, so wishing him the best in his recovery. Second, a pretty interesting piece of news coming out uh, earlier this week and over the weekend, the U.S. Senate Permanent Subcommittee on Investigations is opening an investigation into the potential merger between Live Golf and the PGA Tour uh, with multiple senators arguing and uh proposing that the Department of Justice, as well as U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland, participate in said investigation. Obviously, there are a lot of ties to Saudi funding and all of this. So do you guys think that this potential investigation could maybe even derail the, the plans that Jay Monahan and uh, the Public Investment Fund have set up as of last Tuesday? I think it it definitely has a chance of doing so. 
Um, to be totally honest, I have no idea. I think it's definitely possible. I think it would be incredibly interesting to see what happens if, if for some reason the merger does not end up happening. Um, like how do the players react and the live players and the PGA players? It would be, it may even be worse for um, both these leagues. I think that would be worst case scenarios if it doesn't happen. And now what kind of situation? Right. Yeah, I think it's going to be like a minor setback, but I th- I still think it's going to happen with the merger. But it's going to be interesting if they like find whatever they want to find and what it's going to be like the news. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's going to be because of the main source of why they're investigating is because obviously the geopolitical situation concerning the United States and Saudi Arabia is very tense, as everybody knows. So that is where the investigation is obviously going to originate. So uh, very interesting development there. And hopefully it doesn't really derail anything as to playing golf and just guys getting out there and playing golf. So hopefully none of that happens. And as well, I would like to get you guys to take on this per Dustin Johnson in his press conference this week, leading up to the U S open. He says, quote, that the PIF governor who is obviously going to become a member of the PG tours policy board as the merger will happen says that live golf will continue to play in 2024 with a set schedule. Do you guys think that he knows something we don't and this could potentially happen because at the same time, I'm all probably jokingly Brooks Kepka said that he was going to see the reporters at the travelers championship this next week, which is obviously a PGA tour elevated event. So what do you guys think happens? I think the Brooks thing was totally a joke. Absolutely, um, yeah. Yes, obviously, I that's not happening. But I would not. It, I would still be surprised if Liv still plays all their events in 2024. But obviously, from what DJ's saying, um, I could be wrong about that. I just don't. I'm curious to hear what the like what would happen if if players can just choose if they're playing the Live event or the PGA event. Like all those details are going to come hopefully. And it's going to be really interesting. Um, like my first thoughts, like we talked about last week and I think Tim agreed, we thought that live was just kind of going to die out. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so yeah, I, this would be surprising to me, but honestly, who knows? It would be definitely a little plot twist to how I think it's all going to play out. Yeah. Do you think I'm like wondering if like DJ just kind of like lying to us all and just making us think that like live, like the guys are going to decide to do like the team stuff too. And PJ is going to do their own thing. Yeah, I mean, we we chopped it up last week about this. And, I mean, there's been more that has come out as to why the merger happened, which it was pretty indicative that the PGA Tour felt that they could not basically – they couldn't financially withstand all the litigation against them from Live Golf and the PIF and whatever other entities they were up against in court. So – I don't know if it's, I mean, because it's obviously not going to necessarily be their money that is funding their tour anymore. Like the PIF sponsored and gave their money to live golf first and it was not involved with the PG tour whatsoever. And the hearsay is that the PG tour approached them about doing this deal. So we don't know. There's obviously a lot more to come, but we could potentially see live golf have their own schedule and the PGA tour have their own schedule. It could be alternating weeks for guys. Like you go play this week here, this next week here, whatever. Nobody knows anything. It's 
probably going to be a little delayed with Jay Monahan on some sort of medical recovery at this point. So that leads us to what happened this last week on the PGA Tour, the RBC Canadian Open. For the first time in 69 years, boys, a Canadian, a native of Canada, has won the Canadian Open. Nick Taylor, his third career PGA Tour victory, sealing it with a 72-foot putt on the, uh, I believe, was it the third or fourth playoff hole that him and Tommy Fleetwood played? Uh, third, I believe. I think, was, I think that might be third. wrong. Was it the third? No, I think they they went eighteen nine. 18. It was it was eighteen eighteen nine eighteen. Okay, so the fourth playoff will. Sheesh, uh, yeah. And Tommy Fleetwood. So obviously, big congratulations to Nick Taylor, the native son, winning the RBC Canadian Open, getting him a spot in this week's U.S. Open. Guys, what do you have from last week? Just very quickly before we get into the U.S. Open. Yeah, I had a bet on Nick Taylor, so I was happy to see that. Uh, the environment was great, I thought. People were yeah, kind of – it was awesome. Yeah. People were saying bad, negative things about it, that it was live-esque and all that. I thought it was amazing. I think clearly Canada really cares about their golf, and it was um, – you could see it. I, I did feel a bit for Tommy Fleetwood. Obviously, never won on tour. Um, it was – it's a hard way to go down to a – what was it, 70, 80-foot 80 80 putt? Um, 72, but, I think, but yeah. What a putt. Um, yeah, it was, it was great. It was yeah. some storybook stuff. Yeah, story right. With sure. with the environment, with I I did enjoy seeing, um, who was it? Rose Hatton Lowry, um, out there, yeah. and then Hadwin, obviously, yeah. who just got obliterated. Adam Hadwin um, yep. got tackled by the security guard. Yep. You had Corey Connors, Mike Weir, two thousand three Masters champion. Yep. He's a lot of these guys. All these guys are trying to impress him because, as we remember. He's the President's Cup captain yep. at Royal Montreal next year in 2024. This was real so, President's Cup vibes. It Yeah, it felt like it. I mean, you had the rink at 14, which obviously hockey is the national sport in Canada, but 14, the par three where they had the rink set up yep. um, <clears throat> around the tee box. That was awesome uh, to see. So, yeah, the, the vibes were definitely there. The fans were great all week. I thought it was a great event for sure. Yeah, the playoff was really cool to see too. And the, when he hit that putt, it was crazy. Everyone was like cheering. You know, it was just great. He won for the country. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's the, the debacle with Tommy Fleetwood on the fourth playoff hole. He fans his ball right into the stands, and the people pick the ball up. They're taking pictures with it, and they just throw it back down on the ground. And they ask the caddy if, oh, is it okay to pick up? So obviously, a little bit of a rules violation there if you're a, a patron but overall great event put on by uh royal bank of canada and the people of canada uh nick taylor first canadian winner in 69 years at the rbc canadian open so that moves us to this week obviously one of golf's major championships probably it is definitely the toughest major championship to win out there is the U.S. Open, the 123rd edition, for the first time coming to Los Angeles Country Club North. <clears throat> um, so let's just get right into it. Initial thoughts, what are we hearing on the course setup? What are we hearing about the field? Just initial bare bones before we break everything down. What are you guys feeling? Um, initially, I've heard kind of mixed results about the – the type of player that's going to succeed here, which makes me think that no one really has a clue to be totally honest. Um, it's, it's a long course. We, we definitely know that there's going to be some strange setups. Like we talked about a, what was it? 390 or 290 yard par three. Yard par and three. then there's, I believe a 310 yard par four, something like that, um, which is a little bit strange. And everything is saying that the, 
greens are going to be really difficult. The fairways are going to funnel into the rough, which is extremely miserable to hit out of. Um, so overall, I think it's going to be difficult. And I think we don't really know. Is it going to take a big bomber to just bomb and gouge this thing down? Or is it going to take someone to hit the right spots so they don't funnel into the rough? Um, I think anyone's guess really could be the correct answer. So that's what makes it fun to watch. And I would love to see a, a minus two, minus three winner um, to watch these guys struggle a little bit. Yeah. Um, the the fairways are going to be tough. They have a lot of slope on them. Uh, you said about the par threes. There's a, there's a couple that are like above 250 yards to the par threes. And I think like the winner's going to get like under six. That's only in the, I read somewhere that the the Playboy Mansion actually looks over this course, so that's kind of yeah, interesting. I believe it is on the fourteenth tee box. Yeah, so it's obviously like the vibes around LACC have always been as it's coming out this week because we know nothing. We probably know as much as the guys playing this week, like what they knew before they got to the course, um, before they landed at the airport. We know as much about LACC as those guys do pretty much um, from what all the media reports say. It's a very picturesque layout to say the least. I mean, it's in LA. It's, it's a great city. One of my favorites. Um, it's a, it's a great vibe there, but like they're not there to be in LA this week. It's the U S open. Like you're there. This is your job. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be a great event for sure. Obviously. So Let's get right into it. The first thing we will get into, the longest day in golf was June 5th, excuse me, the day after the Memorial Tournament finished. Uh, last Monday, the longest day in golf, the final U.S. Open qualifying, 36 holes on that same day. So let's get right into some of the big names that qualified, some of the big names that didn't, starting off with the Lakes Golf and Country Club and Brookside Golf and Country Club in Columbus, Ohio. 103 players for 11 spots, led by medalist Owen Brown Jr., his father qualifying for the U.S. Open in 2005, obviously, uh, and winning the 2011 U.S. Open. That his, his son, Owen Brown Jr., reaching his first U.S. Open at the age of 34 with medalist honors. Also qualifying at this location, Corey Pereira of Cameron Park, California, uh, former golfer at the University of Washington, and four players finishing at eight under 136, including 2009 U.S. Open champion Lucas Glover. Obviously, there's only a 10-year exemption into the U.S. Open, so he needs to come back and qualify for it. Uh, it there was a playoff for three spots. Uh, he was the odd man out when he missed a two-foot par putt to fall to the first alternate. Uh, as well, advancing from this uh, site were Kevin Streelman, and Nick Dunlap as well, uh, amateur at the University of Alabama. So, guys, was there anybody in this particular spot that really surprised you? I mean, Olin Brown Jr., that's a name that you didn't really expect to advance out of this spot, per se? Yeah, we were just talking in general before about how the the PGA and the Masters likely have a decent amount of could say experienced or just be frank, just old guys playing. Uh, the U.S. Open is not one of those, and Kevin Streelman is not not that old yet. But um, seeing Kevin Streelman competing with some college-aged AMs is pretty interesting, just to see how he compares. Um, and he's a guy that I think could could be relevant this week. So um, that's a name that 
that to see some of these older guys out there battling in this longest day in golf, I think is interesting to see how he reacted and he made it. So um, I was impressed by that. I think it's really cool that Owen Brown Jr. qualified at the age of 34 for his first ever U.S. Open. That's going to be – I'm going to actually going to be rooting for him just to do well. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then just kind of quickly going through this, at Canoebrook Country Club, Summit, New Jersey, there were 67 players for four spots. Uh, highly touted amateur coming out of Stanford, Michael Dorbjornson, earned medalist honors rounds of 66, 68. So congratulations uh, to him. Two of his amateur counterparts, Ludwig Aberg, missed. Sam Bennett made uh, the U.S. Open. <clears throat> and also Barry Henson, 438th ranked golfer in the world, as well as Christian Cavalier, the amateur from Katona, New York, finished at six under to grab the final two spots or the four. And the final two spots, uh, the fourth spot was Andrews Voboda, former Tua Pro at Hawks Ridge Golf Club in Ballground, Georgia. It was 43 players for three spots. An amateur actually earning medalist honors. However, not just any amateur. Gordon Sargent, SEC Player of the Year, number two ranked player in the uh, official amateur world golf rankings, earning medalist honors. And among those who did not qualify at this spot, Bill Haas, Patton Kazire, Ted Potter Jr., former PG tour winners guys. Does this surprise you at all? Um, a little bit, but at the same time, uh, it's a long day. Like you said, it's, it's, you're yeah. not just playing one round. Um, so it takes a lot out of you. And I think it's, it's a perfect example of anything can kind of happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, again, like I said, it, it's really interesting to see some of these am- amateurs that are around our age competing against some of these guys that were in the PGA for 20 years. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised that Penn Kazire didn't qualify. And it's a little interesting that uh, it's cool to see that these like college students are qualifying and like him, who's like been on the tour for multiple years. didn't. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, the USGA is the USGA itself and the U S open is the most democratic of golf's governing bodies and the most democratic championship as to pretty much anybody can sign up to go through that qualifying. It's just a matter of anybody can sign up. It does not matter who you are and how good you are at golf. And you can just make it through if you can. So that's what's great about it. I mean, it's amateurs, it's professionals, it's anybody in between. So at Lambton Golf and Country Club in Toronto, it was 27 players for three spots. Michael Block was the headliner here. He was not able to qualify uh, however, Ryan Gerard, who was on special temporary membership, earned medalist, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, medalist honors here at Lambton in Toronto to qualify for the U.S. Open. Coming up short was Jimmy Walker as well as Ludwig Aberg at this site at Old Chatham Golf Club, Durham, North Carolina. The biggest name. Uh, this was excuse me, seventy-five players or seventy-six players for five spots. The biggest name to not qualify at this particular site, Harold Varner III, who was just removed from his first career professional win at Live Golf DC. Guys, does this surprise you coming off his first professional win? He doesn't get through sectional qual or final qualifying into the U.S. Open. Yeah, this is one that does surprise me, and I am an HV3 fan. I really like the dude. I think he's a good guy. Uh, yeah, at him pretty hard at the Masters, and just enjoy watching him. So that was one that that I was a little bit surprised by. Same with uh. Aberg as well. He played well last week um, mm-hmm. in Canada, and I yeah. I would have been fairly confident that he would have qualified and done pretty well this week. So that was a uh, surprise for me. 
And also Michael Block surprised me too, because if he did qualify, he's from California, so there would have been a huge he would have had a huge fan base there too. Yeah, his son also tried to qualify at the uh, site in LA and missed out by a few shots. So uh, uh, hopefully he'll be back next year. At Pine Tree Golf Club, Boynton Beach, Florida, it was 51 players for three spots, led by Austin Truslow, who shoot 66 in the first round, 69 in the afternoon to claim medalist honors, 500 par, qualifies for his first U.S. Open. Capturing the second spot was Brendan Valdez, an all-SEC sophomore from Auburn. Wesley Bryan, former PGA Tour winner, as well as former PGA Tour winner uh, Carlos Ortiz, now with Live Golf. We're in a playoff along with Luis Gagne for to decide the uh, final spot, and that would be Louis or <clears throat> excuse me, Carlos Ortiz who advance out of the three man playoff to get the final spot. Among those not qualifying at this particular spot, Cameron Kucher, son of PGA Tour veteran Matt Kucher, as well as Christian Demarco, son of PGA Tour veteran Chris Demarco. Matt Wolf was also slated to play in this qualifier. However, he withdrew. 30 minutes before his first round tee time at Woodmont country club in Rockville, Maryland. It was 60 players for four spots. One of the more selective U S open sectional qualifiers, uh, pro golfers faltering amateurs stepping up number one ranked, uh, corn Ferry tour veteran Ben Coles had just an amazing first round and first 15 holes of a second round until he blows up late with a few bogeys down the stretch bogeys, his first playoff hole, uh, medalist honors at four under go to Carl Phillips, the 48th ranked amateur in the world, junior at Stanford. So obviously Stanford golf, extremely good program. Uh, joined in that playoff uh, with Ben Coles was live golfer Sebastian Munoz, who wrapped up that final spot. At Springfield Country Club, Springfield, Ohio, 75 players for five spots. PGA Tour player Sam Stevens torching the golf course, eight under 62 to claim medalist honors by three shots over uh, President's Cupper last year, Taylor Pendrith from Canada, who uh, <clears throat> competed at the Memorial Tournament the week uh, before that. Nick Hardy also getting his first PGA Tour win this last year uh, with Davis Riley at the Zurich Classic, also qualified from this uh, site. At Tacoma Golf and Country Club, Tacoma, Washington, 54 players for two spots. It was uh, Canadian Jesse Shute earning medalist honors there. So that, uh, excuse me, the last one, Hillcrest Country Club, Los Angeles. It was 89 players for five spots, uh, red, led by rising junior at UCLA, Omar Morales, who gained uh, medalist honors, as well as Pac-12 Conference uh, player at Stanford, Barclay Brown tied for second, 10 under with David Pooge, who also played golf in the Pac-12 at Arizona State, uh, joined Live Golf last year. They were the uh, top three that advanced, as well as uh, Charlie Hoffman and Preston Summerhays, who also plays at Arizona State. And Charlie Hoffman, obviously, multiple-time tour winner advancing there. So... That is it for just kind of the quick recap of the longest day in golf. So let's get into everything else surrounding the U.S. Open. So we've, there's a lot of storylines, obviously. It's a major week. So this is just per the article on ESPN's website. We will go right down the line. The first big storyline is titled, I Love LA. I love LA. Uh, and the Los Angeles Country Club hosting the U.S. Open for the first time. Does this kind of surprise you guys that – 
the USGA is taking this to a totally new venue and kind of breaking the tradition of U.S. Open courses? I think so, but I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I think that it it's a little surprising that the USGA seems to be very like happy with what they've been doing, if that makes sense, and I, they don't make very many changes. Um, but I there's a lot of golfers from California, from L.A. specifically, and I think it's going to bring a little bit of a different crowd than than in the past. And I think they're trying to expand the game. I think it's it's great. And all, if not, uh, I would say most of the players seem to be very excited for this. Um, I, I haven't heard many people angry with this selection. Yeah, this surprised me that they're moving. But I think it's a good thing if you want to grow the game of golf to like go to different states, go to different like golf courses in general in these majors. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at like the upcoming course like schedule for where the u.s open will be held i mean it goes back to all the places that it's been held i forget where it is next year but 2025 oakmont uh it goes back to oakland hills marion i believe ronamink has one it might that might be a pga coming up but regardless Pine, pinehurst also, next year pinehurst there you go yeah it's another i mean that's the cradle it's the cradle of american golf um pinehurst so the second storyline heading into the U.S. Open, obviously the only man that is alive for the career Grand Slam this week, Phil Mickelson, finishing a record or finishing second, a record six times at the U.S. Open. He This is obviously the elusive one that he needs to complete the career Grand Slam. Do you guys think he's got any shot? Personally, no. I think Phil is probably the happiest man in golf right now after Absolutely. everything that's gone down. Yeah. That looks like um, the last week, week and a half for sure. Right. So I I think there's a better chance that he fin- misses the cut than he finishes top 40. But um, anything can happen like we saw at the Masters. But I would be very surprised. Yeah, I don't think he's going to do it since the merger. I think he's happy enough, you know, but it's just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, he's still shown flashes somewhat of being able to compete with – the young guns and the big guys on the PGA Tour, the golf, wherever he's at. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, maybe something miraculous happens. He won the PGA a few years ago as the oldest major champion in the history of golf. So he could surprise us all this week. So that leads us to the third storyline, Matt Fitzpatrick, obviously the defending champion this year, winning last year at the Country Club uh, at Brookline, <clears throat> of which Tim, a member of our podcast, was actually there on Sunday to see him capture his first major title. So do you guys think that he's got a somewhat shot to defend this week? I mean, he's besides, excuse me, besides winning the RBC heritage, you've seen nothing from him. Right. That's what I was going to say. He's been inconsistent to say the least. Yeah. yeah, I don't think there's like, there's always a shot, but I don't think there's much of a shot. His approach freaks me out a little bit with, with how rough, it is around these greens. Um, he doesn't hit many greens, so that's a little bit frightening. But he drives the ball far enough, I think, to to have a like somewhat of a chance this week. So, um, yeah, I'm not high on him, but I also wouldn't say that that there's zero chance. I'm not gonna say he doesn't have a shot because just any given you know weekend he can do really good, but I don't really see him winning. Yeah, I mean, it's it goes back to the rhetoric that like this is golf. And anything can happen at any given moment. But I feel, and that is even more 
true this week, given that nobody knows anything about LACC, the setup, any of it. I mean, it's barely hosted any events. Like the only guy really that has any real substantial course knowledge is Max Homa, who owns the course record at 61 shot in the 2013 Pac-12 championships of which he went to uh, Cal Berkeley. So I don't know. It's super interesting. I probably the last time that we had a two-time U.S. Open champion. I mean, it was Brooks Kepka, but before that, it was Curtis Strange, nineteen eighty-eight and nineteen eighty-nine. So I mean, it doesn't happen very often. I really don't foresee it happening this year with him, but who knows? The American drought. I mean, is England's Fitzpatrick, John Rahm. Uh, past two U.S. Open champions. Before that, I believe it was, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, six straight U.S. Open champions coming from the United States. Obviously, some of the more notable international names, Retief Goosen, uh, Michael Campbell from New Zealand, Jeff Ogilvie from Australia, Angel Cabrera winning at Oakmont in 2007. So do you guys think that this is the Americans' week to recapture our national championship? I think so. I think realistically, John Rahm, Rory, and possibly Victor Hovland have a shot. Um, and obviously, like Matt Fitzpatrick, no one probably would have picked last year, so anything can happen. But yeah. um, just between Scotty and Finau, Cantlay, Xander, Homa, I mean, there's just so much talent um, that I would I would like to think that the Americans will come out victorious. But again, Rahm and, and Rory um, – I forgot Brooks as well in there for the U.S., but Rom Rom is the one that, that to me, um, I think has the best chance. Obviously, and the odds would say the same. Yeah, I mean, I think I think an American's going to win. I really only think the three guys that Jack mentioned and uh, Fitzpatrick are like are the only guys outside of uh, America who really have a chance to win this. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think w- once you look at the dynamic that golf is in today, I mean, obviously. The, the European side with, I mean, maybe a potential Ryder Cup team or President's Cup team. Like, yes, there we obviously have an immense amount of talent from around the globe. But I think this week, with all those guys that you mentioned, this is – I think we'll have a guy from the United States win our national championship this week. I, I just have a gut feeling this week that it, it's going to happen. Uh, new venue – and like you said, the the top international players, Roy McIlroy, Matt Fitzpatrick, John Rahm, Victor Hovland, potentially, are maybe really the only four guys that could derail Scotty Scheffler winning his. Sam Smith, maybe. I he doesn't hit the ball far enough, in my yeah, opinion. I agree. I agree. He doesn't hit the ball far enough, but I <clears throat> excuse me could potentially see something. It really sucks. Will Zalatoris isn't playing because I think he could have. A, Really good shot to win it. Especially after last year, yeah. Yeah, he could have a shot to win at the PGA. I mean, that's a very similar course to – that. the PGA is moving more towards a U.S. Open-type setup year after year, kind of just gradually moving towards really, really tough. So just uh, going right down the line, um, the guys who everybody – the media thinks can win. So obviously, first up here, Scotty Scheffler. What do you guys rate his chances this week? Like, is he aside from John Rahm the clear cut favorite? 
To me, he's the clear-cut favorite, even with John Rahm in there. Yeah. Um, I think Rahm is the close second. But Scotty has been finishing top five cons- consistently and has been putting just abysmal. Um, if he finds his putter, I think Scotty could win by six strokes. So I think he he has, it's scary what John Rom or sorry what Scotty Scheffler can do. Yeah, he's been the best golfer for this past year, even with the oddest putter. So if he can figure out his putter, I think he he's clearly the clear cut favorite. Yeah, for sure. Um, absolutely. I, I believe there was a graphic up when they were paired together. I believe it was the either the. Third round or the fourth round of the memorial, Scotty Scheffler, John Rahm, paired together. They put up a graphic of their stats, and everything is top five for each of them, except for Scotty Scheffler's strokes gain putting, which is – I don't even think he's in the top 100 on the PJ Tour this year. He is not. So, yeah. Yeah, if he could, if he can get the putter working, he's going to win for sure. John Rahm, we just mentioned him, claimed a second major championship in April. He has won a U.S. Open in California this year. Do you guys give him any shot this week? Yeah, I think John Rahm is is the best all-around golfer. Um, I think John Rahm is going to win this week if I had to pick one golfer. I think he is just smart also. I think it, it's going to take a bit of a mental game this week um just with the funneling fairways and everything and i think he he can pin seek when he needs to but i think he can also put his foot on the brakes a little bit um and i if i had to pick one guy john rom's who i'm picking yeah john rom has everything going right now all part of his uh, golf golf game right now and it's just a matter if, if like he deals with like the fairway and all that stuff on this course yeah you really hit on it there jack with the the mental aspect of the U S open, like this is, it's tough. Like, I mean, it's always been tough. The PGA has always been tough, but fair. The U S GA tries to set it up. So it's not even fair most of the time to these guys. So it's like four grueling days of getting your teeth kicked in by the hardest golf courses in the world. Like that's why you've seen guys, like 2016 to 2018, you saw Dustin Johnson win it and Brooks Kepka win it twice. Like they are probably two of the least, like I, I can't think of the word that I'm looking for, but like the least, the least wavering guys, maybe in golf, and that's what it's going to take. It's going to take a guy that just doesn't get rattled by the USGA setup, just trying to mess with them this week and just trying to just kick him in the face this week. So it's going to take a guy like that. The third guy on this list, Brooks Kepka, obviously picking up his fifth major championship last uh, month at the PGA Championship. Do you guys think that he can double up on majors this year with a U.S. Open, win his third U.S. Open? Yeah, I, I'm i a little bit stuck on Brooks. Um, obviously second at the Masters, then he got his win at the PGA. Um, I I'm going to be off him purely because I think everyone's going to be on him just because he's been doing so well. I think that he obviously has the distance to be, he's long enough. Um, And I do think he, like you said before that he has the capability of like not losing his mind um, when he's struggling, Mm -hmm. but I, I just don't know. Obviously he does care, but it's just like been a lot for him. He's a huge Panthers fan. The Panthers just won <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. I mean, maybe he hasn't slept in three days. I think that that he's just 
I don't know. Like he could obviously come win it, but to me, there's names that I just like a lot better that I think are going to be a little bit more in it. Um, and the course fits them better. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he's going to win, but I think he's going to be in a mix of like top 10 because he just puts it on during the majors. And I think, I think he'll do well and not win it. Yeah. I, I'm stuck. I would feel a lot more confident saying that Brooks kept it. Cause I think he could go out and have a really good showing, but I would feel a lot more confident saying that Brooks Kepka could go out and finish in the top five or finish in the top 10 or be in the mix on Sunday on the back nine. If I knew the setup of LACC more, if I knew that his strengths were going to play to what LACC is set up for. So that's why I'm kind of off him this week. I think I can win it. We were just talking about this guy. doesn't hit the ball far enough. Cam Smith. Is this any? Is this a week that maybe he gets it done? There's a little note here at the end. Uh, excuse me. Track record in the U.S. Open is awful. Missed the cut in each of his past two starts. Uh, combined 59 shots over par in his past six U.S. Opens. Like this, he just can't get it going at the U.S. Open. Yeah, he can't hit it far enough. Like you said, the only thing he puts lights out, and his approach is stellar. Um, I think he would need to be insanely accurate to find all of the spots that he needs to uh, because of his lack of distance. And like we said, there are going to be a lot of weird, weird lies. Um, not many flat lies in the fairways and roughs rough. I think he is one of the guys that I think could handle that. But again, I don't think that he has distance and off the tee. I just don't think he's accurate or long enough. Yeah. You, you said he doesn't have the distance. I don't think he's going to win. But I was I was reading something that like people like him for some reason to be like top, finish top three. Well, I mean, I, I could definitely see that he can't hit the fairway at a consistent clip, and he can't hit it far enough at a consistent clip to contend at a U.S. Open. Because I mean, winning the Open Championship last year that was totally different golf than this than, than a U.S. Open is going to be like. This week, you have to do everything. Like, we say this when we're talking about a lot of tournaments on this podcast. Like, oh, this is a course where you have to do everything well. But, like, the U.S. Open, like, you have to have a unicorn-type week to win this golf tournament. You have to have your golf game, total, like, everything. Your T's crossed and your I's dotted, whatever the saying is. You have to have everything in line and working to your advantage. Your mental preparation has to be there 150%. Like, nothing can go wrong for you this week. And I think there's too many question marks when it comes to Cam Smith to really say that this is going to be his week. A guy that maybe this is going to be his week is next up here on our list, 2011 U.S. Open champion at Congressional Country Club just outside of D.C. He holds the 72-hole scoring record for said tournament, Rory McIlroy. Uh, he's been obviously feeling the weight of this Live Golf PGA Tour merger the last week. Had a pretty decent showing this last week at the RBC Canadian Open, trying to three-peat. But obviously playing the week before and then coming to play a major, let alone the U.S. Open, is really hard on the mind and really hard on the body. So do you guys think he's got any shot this week? I do. I think he... Not to the same level as Brooks, but he has uh, four straight top tens at U.S. Opens. I think he just figures out a way to play well. He's another guy that 
has had a bit of up and downs this year, I would say. Um, but lately he's, he's been better. Um, and it doesn't seem like it because he's expected to win, uh, basically each week or top two or three. Um, but three straight top tens, I think last week it is hard to play week to week, but I think a little bit of confidence gain. That was a strong field last week. I think going top 10, he was in the mix on Saturday for much of the day. Um, and I mean, he's Rory. I think he has a talent too, obviously there's a lot going on in his head, but maybe this is some uh, way to, to kind of giant F you to everybody else. And, Mm -hmm. and this is his way of showing that he's, I mean, live their media has killed him. Um, so maybe he's tuning it all out and he's going. Yeah. I think from doing really, from doing solid last week, I think it's going to, I'll put him really good momentum into this week and do really well. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I don't know. He's kind of a wild card because he's up and down. Like this, this entire year he has been, but he can also just pull it out of nowhere and come maybe even win the tournament. So the next guy has been relatively quiet as of late. Jordan Speed, 2015 champion at Chambers Bay. Uh, everything Jordan does everything well, which this is a course where that's going to tailor to him. So is there any shot that Jordan Spieth wins the U S open this week? Because I'm sitting here thinking about it right now and I can't honestly give you an answer. So I, I wouldn't say I'm a speed hater, but I am not a speed guy. Um, and I don't know what it is, but I am in love with Jordan Spieth this week. I think a lot of it has to do with him sort of having the creativeness that I think it's going to take, as well as just the ability around the greens to hit a shot that's three feet above his, the lies three feet above um, where his feet are, or something like that. I think he can play kind of these weird, creative, interesting shots. Putting has been... The, the last four or five weeks have just not been good. Um, so that's the one, I think, problem spot. And he's been a little inconsistent with, oh, he's got a third, a missed cut, second missed cut, fourth missed cut. Like, he's been very yeah. up and down. Um, but for some reason, I'm feeling it this week. I think, I, I think like you said, he just has everything. If he can find his putter like he had years ago, um, he's one of the top players. Yeah, you said he has everything, I think. Because he's solid at everything he does, I think he'll do well in this course. But he occasionally will have one shot where you're just like, what is he doing? He just, like, completely misses it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's inconsistent. Like, I mean, it. It whether it's a matter of a five- or six-hole stretch, uh, a tournament, or a month, he's riding a roller coaster, it seems like, every single time that you watch him, which – I mean, he's won a U.S. Open before. He's a three-time major champion. Like, he's one of the greatest players of our generation, arguably. And sitting here right now on Wednesday night, I cannot give you an answer on if I think Jordan Spieth can contend this week. Like, I think he could either go out and finish in the top three and maybe be in the in the mix on the back nine on Sunday, or he could miss the cup by four shots. Like, I, I don't know what – Jordan Spieth is capable of this week. I don't know if anybody really does. Same thing with this guy. I don't know anything. I, I don't know. He greatly disappointed me at the PGA Championship when I 
uh, used him as my one and done, I believe. Xander Shoffley, California native, uh, competing <clears throat> obviously in the uh, U.S. Open in his home state this year. Is uh, is there any shot here, really? I mean, he's. I think everybody's kind of moved off of the hype of like Xander Shoffley is going to win a major because I think people have a lot of question marks now as to is he actually capable of getting it done. Um, I do not think he has the capability of winning, but I think he is probably the most consistently like top 20, but not better than top five. Like, I think he absolutely will top like he'll get 12th or fifth or something like that. He hasn't missed a cut since March of 2022. Um, yeah. that is a long time. Um, and he, he's consistent on stats to to be pretty good everywhere. Um, but I just don't think he has like a championship in him. I think he he has I, I just don't know if he has that like final push to come out victorious on a Sunday in a very, very tough environment that I think this is gonna be. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll make the cut and I just think I think like the big stage sort of gets to him on Saturday and Sunday, and I think that's what happened now. This, yeah, I mean, it. I don't know. I, like I said, I I don't know if he can win it this week. Like I I don't know if he's got that like X factor. I mean, you see guys that win major championships, whether they win one or two or five or six. Like the guys that are able to go out there and win it can do everything well and have everything working for them that one particular week. And I think Xander Shoffley can do that in team events and elevated events, but major championships are just a totally different game when it comes to golf, pretty much. So I don't know about him this week. Patrick Cantley, another SoCal guy, uh, UCLA grad, obviously. Um, any shot this week? I think that he can go out and win it, to be totally truthful with you. I'm kind of similar to Xander here. I think he will do well. I, If I had money to put down, I would not put any on uh, Cantlay to win it. But again, he has the skill set. I just would like to see it before I'm going to I'm gonna believe it. Yeah, I think he's going to get top 10. I think his, uh, his caddy is going to really push him. Uh, the Tiger Woods is old caddy. I think he's going to push him to do really well. Yeah, um, I mean, it's going to help having a guy, having a veteran caddy on the bag this week for sure. That's one thing that we haven't talked about yet. Um, Colin Morikawa, he has been okay. Four top tens and 17 starts. Tied for 10th at the Masters. Uh, played on the 2017 Walker Cup team, which was held at LACC North. So he's one of the very few guys in the field this week that have some sort of course knowledge. Do you guys think he's got a shot this week? I do. This is this is another speed for, speed for me. I just love Morikawa this week. Everything I've seen from him and from everyone else says that his back is totally fine. A little, little fearful. I have a bad back. It can flare up out of nowhere. That's a little bit, yeah. uh, like you said, these are going to be long days um, and rough days. So that's a little bit scary to me. But I think Morikawa's irons, his approach, um, I think whether he hits the fairways or not, he's going to put it – put it on the green and put it close. Um, he's just completely no putt. 
just cannot putt. Um, mm-hmm. So that's a little bit fearful. But I think if he finds his putter, I think, and he stays healthy, that he absolutely has a chance. Yeah, I think he's going to do, like, solid, like, top 20, top 15. I think, like, competing at this golf course is going to help him a bit for the first couple of days. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's he has seen this course set up for – a Walker Cup, but he's never seen this course set up for a U.S. Open. Like it, it was after the Gilhans renovation, which I believe took place in 2010. So that is he's seen the newest skeleton of the golf course per se, but he hasn't seen it set up for U.S. Open, which I mean is going to. He's got knowledge, so it's going to help him this week. But like you said, the bad back flaring up at a major championship like it's not going to help him at all i mean it's only going to hurt him another guy with some course knowledge who still holds the uh course record nine under 61 shot in the first round of the 2013 pack 12 championship max homa la native i mean that's going to be the narrative this entire week i mean he's a top five golfer in the world and does he have a shot to go out and win his first major? I don't know if I necessarily see it this week. I think he's got the game, but I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I think, and I may be wrong about this, but I've heard a ton about, oh, he has the course record. He knows the course. There's a chance that Max almost played this course twice, and he just shot the course record, correct? Like, yeah. like does he, he played really it yeah. at least three he, times? There were three okay. rounds in the Pac-12 championship. Yeah, he got it at the Pac-12 championship. But it's not necessarily like, oh, he knows his course really well. Like, he's played it 75 times. Um, yeah. So I think that that could go a little bit farther than it needs to, in my opinion. Um, I If you would have asked me six months ago, I would have absolutely said Max Home has a shot. I don't trust him off the tee right now, distance-wise. Um but he's another guy similar to all these guys that have the talent. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked if he won, but right now I would not put any money on it. Sneak peek to their one and done. I have Max Hummel winning. He, we talked about how he has the course record. Uh, he's from, he's from California. You know, he, he hasn't won a major. I think this is going to be his first major that he's going to win. Yeah. I mean, he's got a hell of a track record in California, winning in Napa twice at Riviera, which is just up the street from, LACC and then at Torrey earlier this year so I mean the guy loves to play golf in California and is just a California type of dude through and through so I don't know that's gonna help him for sure this week but what's it gonna be like when he gets out there and he starts getting his teeth kicked in on the third hole on Thursday afternoon or morning whatever time he goes off I mean we don't know so that's gonna be really interesting to see we've already talked a lot about this but just kind of what the stats are for this course, who's going to play well, what do we know at this hour about the Los Angeles Country Club? I think still not a ton of certainty. Um, I think we know that it's going to be tough. We know that these fairways are funneling and are very quick. I've even heard caddies and players compare them to pavement. Um, in a joking manner, but still, like they they're gonna roll. Um, and it's long, and I think the rough. It's also another joke. U.S. Opens love just brutal rough. So I think all of it's gonna be tough. I think it. We don't. It's not a clear um, message of it's gonna take a guy that is a bomber or it's gonna take a guy that's accurate or both. So 
I think there's just not not a ton of certainty right now, which makes it exciting. Anything can kind of happen. Yeah, I, I think we and like all the golfers know it's going to be one of the toughest golf courses on, on tour. The fairways, like everything's going to be tough. So it'll be interesting to see how these golfers handle it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it's going to be like it sucks as guys that we are like we're reviewing and just chopping it up about what we think is going to happen this week. It sucks that we don't know anything about this course, that we really don't know a ton about guys that could potentially play well, uh, long shots, stuff like that. So that part kind of sucks, honestly. But it's going to be cool on the flip side to see a course that we've never seen before. Like, that's going to be cool for just a casual viewer that is watching the U.S. Open as just to watch the U.S. Open and they don't really know a ton about golf or whatever the situation may be. So it's it's a cool course, obviously. Gil Hans renovation in 2010, like I previously mentioned. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be a hell of a test for the guys all week. So that uh, leads us to breaking down some of the big groups. Obviously, the USGA tries to do a lot with uh, – they try to be pretty sneaky with all of their pairings. So we're going to break some of those big ones down for you right now. Going off round one, 11.13 a.m. Eastern time. They're out early. Eight, that is 8.13 Pacific. The marine layer is still out there. The weather could be a factor at this hour. Colin Morikawa – uh, Max Homa and Scotty Scheffler. So who do you guys like out of this group as the big gun to come out? Uh, to me, it's Scotty. And Morikawa is like we just talked about. I'm really high on him, but it's Scotty. And I think everyone agrees with that. Yeah, I like Scotty. And I also obviously like Homa with my pick. So, Yeah, absolutely. Um, second one, just going kind of quickly off third or off excuse me, 11 minutes after they are 8.24 a.m. Pacific time, round one, Xander Shoffley, Victor Hoblin, and 2021 champion John Rahm. I mean, John Rahm is the pick here, right? But all these guys have a shot. Yeah, to me, it's John Rahm. I think Hoblin is interesting. Um, he's been, been able to really pick it up on Sundays lately, which he hadn't been able to do in the past. So I think he's interesting, but Rahm is just so talented. Um, can bomb the ball as far as you need to. So I think it's John Rahm. Yeah, I think it's John Rahm too. And I think Hoblin's got, it's going to give him a run for his money too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that same round one going off in the afternoon, 154 Pacific time, uh, Brooks Kepler, Rory McIlroy paired with each other. I think the, this is obviously <laughs> the USGA's play at the Live Golf PGA Tour merger. Uh, sandwiched in between them, a guy that might have a shot this week, 2021 Masters champion, Adeki Matsuyama. Who do you guys like out of this group? Yeah, I like Rory a lot. Um, we talked earlier about Brooks, not super high on him. Hideki, a lot of people are liking this week. I am not feeling it. I know he's he's killed it at U.S. Opens in the past, but I don't think he has the distance to be even close enough. Um, so I think I'm really high on Rory this week. I'm high on Brooks this week. You know, it's a major is going to pick it up. And it's going to be interesting to see the interactions between Brooks and Rory. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we don't know if they're going to talk a lot. Probably not. Like, it seems like when these guys get out there, they're all business. They just pretty much they're out there in their own little worlds, pretty much. So we'll see. It's an interesting pairing for sure. Uh, 
Round one, 4.43 p.m. Eastern time, 1.43 Pacific. Tony Finau, uh, 2015 champion Jordan Spieth, as well as SoCal guy, UCLA grad Patrick Cantley. Who do you guys like out of this group? I already mentioned uh, – would you step? Pretty, pretty interesting pairing here. Yeah, I think this is very interesting. I think um, Spieth is a little bit of a – not hothead, but but he'll get emotional a little bit out there, um, which Cantley and Finau not as much, I think – I've talked about Spieth, really like him. Finau is interesting to me as someone that is known for not performing in these big, big events and big moments. He is very consistent and um, can do everything well, can really hit the ball far. And I think this this could be a very interesting coming out party for Finau in a very big spot. I think Finau is going to do really well, does everything well. I think he's going to make the cut and make some noise on Saturday. Not quite on Sunday. Yeah, I, he's a guy that I don't think a lot of people have been doing justice this week. Like he, he's got the pieces in his game to go out and win. He's proved that he can become a pretty prolific winner on the PGA Tour. If he can translate it into major success, then he could go down as one of the all-time greats. We'll see. Uh Round one, eleven oh two a.m., eight oh two a.m. Pacific time, going out super early. Two thousand thirteen champion at Marion, Justin Rose, paired with Ricky Fowler and Jason Day. This is a pretty interesting pairing too. Who do you guys like out of this group? Yeah, this is interesting. They got the whole generation right there, all the same, um, a little bit past their prime, but um, have done well this year. I think Ricky's the one that that is still looking for his win. So that's an interesting look. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not playing any of these guys, but um, I think still an interesting look. I think Rose, I don't think he has a distance. I love Rose, but I don't think he has what it takes off the tee. Yeah, interesting little group there. You know, they're all they're all veterans on the tours. I think Rose is going to do decently well. Yeah, I think all these guys are cut makers for sure this week. Um, maybe distance is going to come into play, and these guys have struggled somewhat with that recently. So we'll see. Really interesting pairing here. I like all these guys to maybe make a little bit of a dark horse run, but we'll see. Round one, 10.40 a.m. Eastern time. That is super early out. West, 7.40 a.m. Pacific time. Shane Lowry paired with Justin Thomas and last week's playoff loser, Tommy Fleetwood. Who do you guys like out of this group? I This is another bit of a fade the public move. I... I'm playing Justin Thomas heavily this week. I think it's very risky. He has been off and putting has been risky. bad off the tee has super been risky. bad. Yep. Um, but at the same time, if Justin Thomas won, like he has the talent to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think his, his numbers is low. I think it, it makes sense because he's been playing just horribly, but he has the talent. If he turns it on, I think he absolutely could be in the hunt to win it. Yeah, I think Fleetwood, you know, obviously losing the playoff uh, last week. I think he's going to make make some noise and potentially make a cut. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, uh, he's riding a high off of – he played some damn good golf last week, so we'll see if he can get it. Maybe this is JT's week to turn around. I don't know if he can win. He's got the talent to win, but the track record so far this year and in previous Great. years opens just is not there. Uh, another interesting group here, 421 p.m. Eastern time, 121 Pacific time. Round one, Tom Kim paired with Sahith Tigala, who's a Southern Cal guy, Pepperdine Wave, uh, as well as Cameron Young. 
who do you guys like out of this group? Um, I'm not playing any of these guys, but Tom Kim, one of my favorite golfers, he'll be entertaining. Um, he can't putt and is short off the tee, so he's absolutely yeah. not someone that I think is gonna do super well. I believe if I remember correctly, Sahith has played this course more than anybody um in the field. It could be true. I'm I'm pretty sure that's the case. Uh so that's an interesting look. What has happened to Cam Young, man? He has just completely tanked. Um, yeah, I'm not high on any of these guys, but Cam Young, it's hard to watch sometimes what's happening yeah, to him. Yeah. I think Tagala is probably going to be the best out of this group. I don't really think he's going to do any, like, damage. Yeah, I, I Sahith has been playing well, for sure. Um, Tom Kim down. Cam Young fell face of the earth after he made the uh, championship match at the match play, losing to Sam Burns. Um, I like Sahith Tagala coming out of this group, for sure. I think he's got the best all-around game out of any of these guys. Cam Young is... When you look at U.S. Opens and you think long bombers, Cam Young is the guy in this group for sure, but he cannot do anything else to save his life. So I don't think a lot of people like him this week. The last group that we'll go through, uh, Cam Smith paired with Sam Bennett, who is the amateur sensation at the Masters uh, 2022 U.S. Amateur Champion with defending champion Matt Fitzpatrick. Who do you guys like out of this group? Uh, this is a no, no, and no for me. I'll I'll pass on all three. Yeah. Uh, I think the best one is probably Cam Smith. I guess. Yeah, this is so hard. I mean, I, Sam Bennett. I think he's gonna get eaten alive. Honestly, Cam Smith's gonna get eaten alive. Matt Fitzpatrick's gonna get eaten alive. There That's you go. Pretty much what is going to happen this week. Cam Smith is gonna win now that we all just passed up on it. <laughs> yeah, he, he. I mean, that's that's golf pretty much. So we can't really predict anything. So moving to the one and done last week at the RBC Canadian Open, Jack's taking Tyrrell Hatton, finishes tied for third, makes $477,000. Jack has made a total of $4,756,344. Tim takes Rory McIlroy, who in his title defense finishes T9, uh, makes $245,000. $250. Tim's made a, t- a total of $2,317,923. Nick takes Matt Fitzpatrick, finishes tied for 20, trying to double up on the RBC events this year. Unsuccessful, obviously. Makes $102,330. Nick with a total of $3,853,676. I took Sam Burns. Uh, my cut streak continues. And I've made a total of $6,756,358. Total. So our U.S. Open one and done picks. Who do we have this week? I'm going John Rahm. I've talked about him already, so I'll keep it quick. I just think that he has what it takes mentally, has the talent, and I think he'll get it done. He's just so consistent and I think is one of the most mentally strong golfers in the game on top of his his physical ability. Yeah, I said this right. I'm going to go with Max Homa. He's from California. Uh, he, I think this is going to be his first uh, major and he's going to really bounce back his career and win a couple more majors after this. Yeah, uh, some interesting takes, obviously. Uh, Tim taking Scotty Scheffler, who is the odds-on Vegas favorite at plus 600 to win the U.S. Open this week. I am taking Victor Hovland. Uh, really good showing at the PGA Championship. Uh, aside from his implosion there with the fairway bunker on, I believe it was either 14 or 15 on Sunday. Pretty good showing there. Wins the Memorial at a very similar course to what Oak Hill was and probably what 
uh, LACC is going to play. He's riding high right now. He's got the mental game and the mentality to be able to compete at a place like this. Obviously, a very good showing at the 2019 U.S. Open, in which he was an amateur, having won the U.S. Amateur that year. Uh, I really like Victor Hovland this week. I think this is really his breakthrough. He wins an elevated event. That's a stepping stone. He wins a major. This is going to be one of the top moments of his career this week, I think. So Victor Hovland, my one-and-done pick at LACC. Three guys to make the cut are one guy, your mortal lock of the week to finish in the top 10. Who do we have this week? To make the cut, I'm starting with Sergio Garcia, which is a – not a super popular name, but I think him having to go out and, quali- and qualify um, is a good thing for him. I think it shows that he really wants it. I think people are not loving Sergio Garcia lately, um, but I think that he seriously has the game. He has enough distance, which is surprising for his age, but I do think he has enough distance, and he can approach. I, I seriously think Sergio – um, he's played so many U.S. Opens in the past. He's experienced. I think he can can top 20. Um, second, I'm going Keegan Bradley, who had a great showing last year um, in his home hometown. He was the hometown boy last year. Um, I think he is another guy that is decent everywhere, and I think he has what it takes off the tee as well. My third name is is an interesting one. I'm going Roman Langisquet. I have no idea if that's how you pronounce it, but he is a Frenchman that um, has been killing it. I believe it's the French tour, but he has been unbelievable. Um, And I like to pick one like young random dude um, to root for. Finally, my top 10, the most popular man on the in golf right now who Greg can't stand Bryson DeChambeau top 10. I think there's a chance that this turns into a a bomb and gouge type type tournament i mean he's he's killed it at the in the past i think that brace a good win which would be kind of hilarious but i seriously think it could happen for me i have sam bennett harris english and joel damon to make the cut and my top 10 is uh justin rose <clears throat> yeah I, back to your bryson comment i don't necessarily know if he's the most popular player in the game of golf right now he, yeah, the 2020 U.S. Open is what it is, but that was when he weighed 40 pounds more than he does now. I think so, this is a good thing. No, I mean, it's a good thing. He looks better than he did for sure when he won. He looks year. happy. Yeah, he looks he looks like he's in a much better spot. Uh, put some money on Bryson. So, my guys, this week, I'm piggybacking off of Nick, going to Harris English. I think he's just got the all-around game this week. The putter's there. Uh, I, the distance really isn't, but to make a cut, I think he's got it in the tank. All the reports say that this is a second shot golf course, and this guy's the top second shot guy on the PGA Tour, uh, Tom Hoagie. So I, I really like Tom Hoagie this week. He, he has okay distance off the tee, fairway percentages. The guy can putt, though. Uh, kind of going along with that rhetoric, Joaquin Neiman. Pretty uh, standard everywhere. I like him. He's a, a California type of guy. Went in the Genesis Invitational uh, a few years ago. So I like him. My top 10, the hometown guy from UCLA, Patrick Cantley. Like we already said, uh, 
he can just he does everything well. The distance is there off the tee. He's a second shot guy. Uh, he can putt. So everything is there for Patrick Cantley to make a top 10 this week. So that leads us to our favorite prop bets of the week. We've got a lot written down here. It's a major. What do we have? I'm starting with Jordan Spieth outright to win. Uh, that is plus 3,000. Mentioned it a little before. I am just feeling speed this week. Scotty wire to wire plus 4,000. That is a little bit tough to have happen, but I wanted to have a little piece of Scotty Scheffler this week. He's only plus six, 700 uh, to win the tournament, which I absolutely cannot do, but um, wire to wire. I thought I might as well throw something on it. Uh, my favorite golfer, Patrick Reed, first round leader. I had to get a little touch of him. Uh, that is plus 7,500. Both Rahm and Rory to top 10 is plus 400. And then uh, Cantlay to top five, Morikawa to top 10, and JT to top 20 is plus 3,500. Uh, I would also like to to say no one else can see this, but when I just mentioned Patrick Reed, Gray just rolled his eyes at me. Did I? <laughs> oh, man, I didn't think I did. Your favorite <laughs> golfer? Can't stand that guy. Can't stand Patrick Reed. Don't know what the fascination is, but just don't like it. I love that everyone hates him. That's purely it. Uh, for me, and I'm going to go with... he's a good golfer. Go ahead, Nick. For me, I'm going to go with Brooks, top 10 at plus 115. Tony Finau, top 20 at plus 145. And top Irish player, Shane Lowry at plus 310. Yeah, it, uh, I like Shane Lowry this week. He's one of those guys that we've chopped it up about in the past that can do everything well. So I think that this is obviously a week that it's going to take that. I don't think he wins per se, but I like him this week. So I love the top 20 finishing parlays. If you know, listening to this podcast, I take a lot of them. My favorite this week at plus 330 in Vegas is John Rahm, Brooks Kepka, and Rory McIlroy to finish in the top 20. I think all three of these guys have a legitimate shot to win the U.S. Open. Uh, finishing top 10, top 20 is definitely in the cards for these guys. I The winner from the United States of America to uh, to win minus 180 on the books right now, like we already said, excuse me, uh, I, I really do firmly believe that there are not a lot of guys outside of your top guns from the United States that have a legitimate shot to win this tournament besides Rory, uh, John Rahm and Victor Hovland. So I think that a winner coming from the United States this week, you've got Scotty Scheffler, Max Homo with course knowledge. You have Colin Morikawa, uh, you have Brooks Kepka. You've got all of these guys that hail from the U.S. that could go out and win our national championship this week. So I like that. That's minus 180 on the books. Go ahead and throw it in a parlay, boost your odds. I uh, like a tie after round one at plus 175. I, I think that with these guys not having a lot of course knowledge in the USGA, obviously setting it up extremely tough like they do every championship, that there's not going to be like the unicorn round of five or six under. You're going to get guys that go out there. You're going to get two or three guys that will go out there and have lightning rounds, th- two, three under, whatever. And then you're just going to have a jam, like a, a log jam of, 75 to 80 players that are between minus two and plus three probably or something like that. I don't know how it's going to play. I'm predicting that that's probably going to be what's happening, but it's probably going to be a rarity that you're going to get the unicorn that goes out there and shoots minus six to open up. So I like a tie after round one 
plus 175 on the books right now. Go ahead, throw it in a parlay, boost your odds. So that is going to wrap us up for our U.S. Open preview uh, special. Go ahead and stay tuned for a special Sunday Night Live reaction podcast after the final round finishes at L.A. Country Club. And thank you all so much for listening. Catch us every week for the remainder of the season. Make sure to check out all of Impact 89 FM's other podcasts. This has been The Long Drive on Impact 89 FM.